Good morning, Southridge. It's great to be here this morning. For some of you, two days from now, it's an even greater day. Some of you, it's a more horrible day. But we'll just ask the parents first, because I, I think I've done this on a Labor Day weekend before. But, you know, you got to do it again. you got to do it. So, parents, how are you feeling about kids going to school on Tuesday? <laughs> so we're going to ask the opposite. Students, what do you think? <laughs> Tuesday, school? Differing opinions, some groans, some happy times. It's all good. Well, I'm going to start off with a statement this morning, and I want you to respond a little bit with me on this because I think this is really a, a really interesting statement to start with. The statement is everyone wants community. Everyone wants community. Do you think that statement is true? Yes? Any naysayers out there? No? Everyone, everyone wants community. What about our schedules? I think about this. When we think about the fall, we think about how we are starting this fall. It's about to happen. This is, it's here. It's Tuesday is school, and we are about to start into our crazy busy schedules. And we think, and I think about our own schedules and my own schedule, and I think, does my schedule reflect the value of community? Because cr community, cre to create community, you need, it takes effort and it takes time. It takes an ability to think things out and make sure that that still happens because our schedules can run away with, our, with themselves, don't they? Back a long time ago, there's this TV show called Cheers, and you may have seen reruns. We'll just keep it as reruns for some of you. You have seen it live. Um, but there was this, this idea of community, and this was a, a long time ago, and I tried to pick something that would grab everybody here. But you know what the, the theme song sounds like, right? Yeah? You got that run through your mind? Some of you remember that? Sometimes you want to go, where everybody knows your name. Boom, boom, boom. I didn't think I was going to do that. Um, and you're always glad you came. I can't do it. Okay, I have to. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Do, 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 do. You remember that? Yeah, got it? It's all in your head now? Awesome. Okay, so I think, I think you got that idea where everybody knows your name. You want a community. You want to be part of something that's greater. You want to be belonging to somewhere. And I think nothing has changed with people. I think that, that everybody likes the idea of community. And even with our younger, younger generation, there's a, a TV show that talks a lot about community. It's called Community. And, um, and it's a bunch of students that get together and they start a study group. And it has this weird form of community that, that forms around this. And some of you know that. And, and so I think that our, our desire, our, our, our longing would be to have community. I'm not so sure that we're always um, practicing it. A few weeks ago, someone in our church was so excited to be part of our community. And after being gone for two and a half months, <clears throat> they came in to our church with their slippers on. And um, they said uh, something about, it's good to be home. And this is, yes, apparently this is an extension of their home. And this is our lead pastor, Brent Chapman. And he came home from sabbatical and he just was so excited to be part of this community. And maybe some of you feel the same. Maybe it's not been two and a half months. Maybe it has been two and a half months. You've been gone. Um, but for some of you, it's been a few weeks. And you, and you long for being back and being part of the fall and being part of community and getting back to the routines again. Today we're going to talk about something that's really important as Jesus followers. It's very important because I think, as you'll see, community is something we need from each other. If you aren't a Jesus follower here today, maybe God's going to speak to you today and he's going to, to, to prompt your heart 
and tug in your heart and to say that, and to, to let you know that there's something deeper that you can have. There's something deeper that you can experience. I mentioned back in July when I last spoke that, that this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about community because I really do think this is important. And not only is it important for us, just for our own personal walk, but it is, it is important when we come through those doors and above those doors it says our mission to love God, change the world one life at a time. Our mission. Our mission is to change one life at a time and to be part of a, a loving community, loving God, changing the world. And also our vision, and we're going to hear a lot more about our vision this fall, about what our vision, our next, next chunk of time, our next five years is going to look like. So before we go further, I want to pray for us. So let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you. We ask you to speak to, you, to us. We just, we want to hear from you today. Speak through the message today. We want to hear your words. God, I don't even want to hear Wesley's words. I want to hear your words. We want to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through a series that's been called A Verse That's Changed Our Life. And since I've already done one, I decided to take the liberty, since it's the last Sunday to do this, um, to say of, of verses that changed my summer. And this really hit me hard this summer. Reason being is because we've done a shuffle in our staff. We've done a bit of a shuffling. Some of you may realize this. And one of the things that has um, been given to me is the area of small groups. And I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited because I really believe in discipleship. And when, over the summer, I've really seen how God has shown me how much discipleship has been so much a part of everything I've done. In my daily readings of the Bible this summer, I went through 1 John twice. This is what the pastor we're going to go through. Now, that isn't funny until I tell you that I accidentally did it. <laughs> I accidentally did it. I, kinda, I was actually drawn to Peter. So I went through 1 Peter and I kind of went through. And then I don't know what happened. I got somewhere close to Revelation. I jumped back to Peter again. And then I started going through this again. And I ended up um, at 1 John. And it really hit me. And it really started to work on my heart, thinking about the fall and thinking about what I'm going to be doing in this fall. So today's passage is in 1 John 4, 7 to 12. And I'm going to read this. We've got up on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles with you, if you want to open up your phone, this is 1 John 4, 7 to 12. And I'm going to read this for you. 1 John 4, 7 to 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but he, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, I read through this passage, and initially I thought, wow, this is awesome. God loved us first. It's very clear God loved us, and so he, he, made, he did something about it. He sent his son to die for us so that we may have eternal life, so that we may experience his love. But then there's something at the end of verse 12, and I don't know if you noticed this. When I saw that, it says, but if we love one another, 
somehow we will see God. Did I really read that right? So I went back again and read it again. I read the whole passage again. And trying to understand what does this really mean when we see God? Well, we see that John talks three times about loving one another. First, he has this progression. First, he says we, ought, we need to love. Then we ought to love. And because God showed his love first. But we also need to be loving one another. Another thing that was clear in this passage when I looked through it is that God is love. Everything he does is done in love and he can't do otherwise. He is love. That's God. He doesn't just act loving. He is love. And if we are to be loving others, we need to understand that if God is love, we should love, act in love as he is love. So everyone wants community. That's what I started with. Communities spend time with each other. Communities love one another. If God is love, I thought about this. Could we love and be in community apart from him? Some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, of course. You can be in community with people. There's communities all over the place. And I'll agree. Sure, it's a form of community. But there's something very unique about what God is doing through this passage. Speaking through John as he wrote. True Christian community is something unique. It's beyond just gathering a bunch of people for a fun time. It's more than that. Pure love is only possible because of God. Because God is love. If it wasn't for God, I don't think we would know love to its fullest potential. We can know love. But unless we know God, because God is love, how can we fully understand what love is? Because of God's love, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, and I'm telling you that because I do. I now understand love deeper than I would have before I knew God's love because I love him now. Because of God's love, I can love my wife. But I love her deeper than I would have ever thought that I could ever love her because of God's love. Love begins and ends with God. I don't think we can have deep community or even the fullness of love without Jesus. God knows community. He's been in community with himself for eternity, right? I've mentioned this before. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Picture it for eternity in community with himself, loving himself forever and ever and ever and ever. Another thing is, we can love others that don't know Christ. Of course we can. And by doing so, do you know what we end up doing? Because if God's love is in us, we are bringing God's love into our, that relationship. It's an amazing, amazing thing. I love the, the neighbors that live near us. I really do. I really love them. And we've grown this community over the past little while, especially this summer, because we choose to spend time to build into that community. We all desire this value as, as neighbors of, of building community and spending time together, having the kids play together, sharing snack together, uh, sharing toys together. But what is more is that we also bring, we are also bringing Christ's love into that community. If there's a deeper community there because Christ's love is there. 
This is what happens when we decide we turn outward and we look outside and we look to making a difference outside of our community here. The unseen God who once revealed himself in his son now reveals himself in his people if and when they love each other. Maybe it should be easier to see God. Have you thought of that before? Especially when you read this verse because his love is already in us. It says that if we, if we, live, that if we love one another, God, God's, God's love is in us. Just think, our love for one another is evidence of God's indwelling presence everywhere we go. As we love each other, as we help the needy, as we feed the poor. As 2 Corinthians puts it, we are compelled by the love of Christ, right? We are compelled because of Christ's love. So we do something for the poor. We do something for the needy. We do something because we want to love each other. The question could be, when we look around at our place at Southridge, some of you are new. Some of you have been here a long time. When we look, when we look around, do we see an ultimate fulfillment of love? Some of you will answer that differently. Some of you will say, yes, I see the ultimate fulfillment of love. I see people working together, praying together, loving each other. Others of you may see the opposite and say, I don't know if the ultimate fulfillment of love really captures that. What would have to change if this isn't the case? What would have to change? Do we want to be a church? Do we want to be a Southridge that says we want to have an ultimate fulfillment of love? Do we want that? I don't know. That. That's something I can't answer for you. Are you connected at Southridge? Are you the ones that are connected? We kind of, we kind of are, this is my church. I'm connected to this church. I come once in a while. I come regularly. Or are you in community at Southridge? Do you have that sense of loving one another? You're giving love to others and accepting love from others. Do you attend sporadically and haven't experienced the loving community here? Because that's telling of what's actually happening, isn't it? If you're only here sporadically and time spent is part of that, that unity and that community, then there's something missing. Are you doing the Christian life apart from others or are you doing life with a group of people around you? Because guess what? You all belong here. We need each other. We need to live together. You belong here. There's a quote from the TV show a few years back called, uh, of, uh, from the show called Lost. It, maybe some of you have seen Lost back in the day. It really confused you by the end. Um, but this, this uh, show called Lost, they, they were stuck on an island because of a plane crash. They ended up on this island and they had to survive. They had to do whatever it took to find food, to find water, to work together. And one of the key slogans of this, um, often Jack would say it, but other people would quote it back and they would say, we need to live together or we will die alone. We need to live together in community. We need to work together or the opposite will happen. I think this is true of Jesus' followers. I don't think that we can actually do things alone. I think that often we pretend that we can, 
I think that we all do that. I think I know that I do. I think, ah, I can do this. I can live the Christian life. I can be a Jesus follower and follow Jesus and just do this by myself. Just open up my Bible every day, put it down, go to church on Sunday, and that's it. I think we think we can. But I think that, but that what the, 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 the Bible talks about and what, what God is showing us through this is that we do need community to grow. If we're loving one another, there's a connection with somebody else. It's not just that you're loving yourself and moving along through life. That we're loving one another and we're working together. Live together. And I, don't, I think that if we don't do this, we can't grow. We can grow maybe for a short time, but I think we need each other. So what I thought we should do is we should really look at what we expect from our, our people at Southridge, if they're partners or just attenders. So I went to Brent and I said, Brent, like, nutshell it for me. Let's, let's just see. Where's our heart? Where are we, what are we thinking? What are we asking people to do to be in community? He says there's four things. And if you've been to the partnership seminar before, which I really encourage you to do, regardless of thinking about partnership, just to understand our church. And to say there's four things. Number one is to worship together. The way you worship together is to attend regularly. If you're not attending regularly, that's not worshiping together. To serve together. That's another thing we want to do. We want to be able to serve together. We enjoy serving together, don't we? Look what we did at soccer camp. Look what we accomplished. So many kids and so many people were part of that. And we all did this together. The third thing is to give together. To share what God has given us. Not what we've worked for ourselves, not the job that we've somehow created, but God has allowed it. That God has allowed to give us the money to have in our, in our pockets, to have in our digital bank accounts. And the fourth thing, and, and I think we need to change it slightly, maybe I don't know what this is going to look like in the future, but to connect together. And maybe it needs to be to, be in, to connect in community, to be in community with each other. And these are the four things that we would love to see happen with our, with our people here at Southridge. If you want to grow, if you want to be a better Jesus follower, if you want to look at these things, I don't think that you can ignore one of these things and still grow. I think that you need to, think, to be thinking through this stuff. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not something we just created. I think this is true of anybody who wants to follow Jesus. There's some sort of connection. That's why you're here, isn't it? That you're here to learn, to grow, and to be in community. I think that we can't grow to our fullest potential if we neglect one of those things. And I don't think we need, we can, we, that we don't want people to con just connect, to say, oh, I, I'm associated with Southridge. I, I, I go to Southridge, that's my church. I think it's more than that. I want, I would love, I would love, and I know our leaders want to see you connect, not just connect, but not just stay at connection because that's the first part. But to grow and move from connected into community, something deeper where we love one another and we see love transferred to one another, sharing each other's lives. There's an awkward thing about being a pastor and it may be, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just awkward. Um, I've thought about that before actually. I thought maybe I'm just the awkward one. But I've really realized how awkward it is to work at a church and be a pastor and to create friends. <laughs> it's hard to make friends in a church, it really is. I've been in four different churches and, it, and, it, and each time you just kind of say, ah, I got to start from scratch again. And it's hard to, to create that. There's, there's a weird disconnect. It could be because of my perception. 
where I think, well, I feel kind of weird because I work at the church and I know all these things or, or whatever, you know things about people or I don't know what it is. It could be my perception. It could be their perception. We're like, oh, pastor, yes, pastor. And then they get all weird on you and you're like, yes, okay, stop calling me pastor. Just call me Wes. Not long ago, Christy talked to me and she said, oh, this is my wife, uh, Christy, she said, hey, Wes, do you have any friends? And then <laughs> like, yeah, well, um, it's complicated. <laughs> it is. It's complicated. Because it was in love. She said, you know what? Yeah, thanks. I'll be your friend. <laughs> like, Christy's my friend. She's my best friend. And, but, but if you really think about how do you make friends? How do you make friends? I don't think that I really have a lot of friends. I think that what is weird about me, and maybe this is my personality. Some of you who are into Myers-Briggs and you think you can diagnose people and that sort of thing. Um, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay. So Wes, let, his personality lets people in. He, how he thinks and how he functions, he lets people in. Everyone's at level one. Forget acquaintances. Everybody's at level one. Everyone's a friend to me. And that's just the way I work. I let people into my life. It's easy for that, that first level. Beyond that, it gets harder. Maybe some of you feel the same. Maybe some of you, it's like, I don't let anybody pass acquaintance because it's really hard to let anybody into my life. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there isn't. For me, I have this one, that's level one, everyone's a friend. But level two, level three, level four is harder. It's harder. Rarely do I let people deeper. Sometimes I look at my schedule. I got four kids. I'm in seminary doing schoolwork right now. I'm working on my master's. I've got youth ministry, young, young adult ministry, worship ministry, small group ministry, with a whole bunch of people working underneath me to make that happen. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. I'm very busy. But does my schedule allow for friends? Does my schedule allow for a community? Something I have to battle with all the time, thinking that through. I need to love people and I need to be loved by people. I really do. Sometimes I think that it's give, it's give, it's give, it's give, it's give. It's give, it's give to the youth ministry, give to the young adults ministry, give to the worship teams, give to the, to the overall worship service with, within the worship ministry stuff. Give to small groups because really, there's a heart there that is just awakening for me where I'm excited to watch how people can grow in community. I'm excited to watch how people can gain friends. I'm excited to watch how people can work together and, and to build in their relationship with God with somebody. But I need a place to belong, even as a pastor. For example, I want this to happen. I want my four kids to grow up picturing this about church life. To picture this. When we come to our small group, and it's at the Faulkners. We come to that small group time. I want them to feel this. I want them to grow up knowing what community looks like. I want them to be able to go to one of the adults in our care group. I'm emotional about this. I want them to go to them. And I want them to run to them to learn from them. To see Jesus followers in. To see them loving one another. And to see them see God through these people. That's what I want. That's what I want for everybody here. I want everyone to experience that. 
but that takes time. And I want that for their kids. I want to be the first one that those kids come to, to see God, to experience love for one another, to experience community in, in a deeper way. I want that for the Faulkners. I want that for the Grebs. I want that for the Schwartzes. I want that for the Sowens. I want that for the Buskels. I want that for them, for every single one of those kids. And it got me thinking that if what would happen if a whole church of 800 people that decide that Southridge is their heart church, whether or not they come here all on a Sunday or not, that 800 people say, yeah, I'm connected to Southridge somehow, that they took seriously doing life together, that they took seriously this idea of community and loving one another. You know, I've been trying to gather the stats of what's happening in our church right now because this is new for me, this small group ministry. I'm trying to figure out where we're at. And I look at this and I think, okay, to looking at the stats, I know it's less than 50%. I know there's less than 50% of our adults that are connected in a care group right now, experiencing community. So you may say, I don't have time. Maybe you think about this. Maybe you can think about your schedule and you can pray about it. I'm not making anybody, I'm not guilting anybody to do this. If you're feeling guilt, this is not me. But look at your schedule and just consider this. What's the most important thing in your life? Put those things in first. Some of you may remember from a previous sermon of mine that I, that I preached a long time ago that, that talked about the rocks. There's important things in our lives that we need to put in first. They need to go in. Otherwise, you, if you throw a whole bunch of little things in there, you can't fit the big rocks in. Start with those things. What's important? Is community one of them? Is growing in a relationship with God important? Is growing with others important? Is that a big rock for you? This is what we want from our small groups. This is what we've always wanted in our small groups here at Southridge. There's three things. Three C's. The care that we spend our life caring for each other. Makes sense, doesn't it? That we care for one another. Second thing is to connect. And as we've learned, it's maybe connecting community. Not just say that we're part of a care group, but we actually mean it and go deeper. We allow for that to happen. We ask for that to happen. We desire for that to happen. We spend the time doing it. And we also see the third C is change if we just meet for the sake of meeting that, and that's it we can do much more than that we can see change we can allow Jesus to transform me through prayer and his word through the Bible Dietrich Bonhoeffer had something to say about this in, about community and fellowship and I'm going to read some of the excerpts from this book it's called Life Together so let me read this for you because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ. Long before we entered into common life with them, we enter into that common life, not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. We thank God for what he has done for us. We thank God for giving us brethren who live by his call, by his forgiveness and his promise. We do not complain of what God does not give us. We rather thank God for what he goes with what, he, what he does give us daily. And is not what has been giving us, given us enough, brothers, who will go on living with us through sin and need under the blessing of his grace? 
Is the divine gift of Christian fellowship anything less than this? Any day, even the most difficult and distressing day, even when sin and misunderstanding burden the communal life, is not the sinning brother still a brother with whom I, too, stand under the word of Christ? Will not his sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ? Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes uncomparably solitary because it is so thoroughly teaches me that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. When the morning mists of dreams vanish, then dawns the bright day of Christian fellowship. Isn't that amazing? He goes on to say a little, little bit more of this. He says, we think we dare not to be satisfied with the small measure of spiritual knowledge, experience, and love that has been given to us. And that we must constantly be looking forward eagerly for the highest good. Then we deplore the fact that we lack the deep certainty, the strong faith, and the rich experience that God has given to others. And we consider this lament to be pious. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty, if on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and riches which are there for us all in Jesus Christ. There's a richness and a blessing of being in community. We can live ourselves, we can live separate. Yes, it's possible. However, if we lack the, we, we will lack that experience of the fullness of Christian fellowship. How can we love one another when we don't spend time together? How will people see God? Our challenge as a church is this. Are we going to settle for being connected? Or are we going to jump into this community? If you would like to step in to take that next step and to step into community with others at Southridge, then take a connect card before, the, before we're done here. Take that out, fill that out. Maybe mention someone you know in the church and say, I want to be, I want to be in a community with this person because it makes sense because I know them and, I, and I, I care about them or I have some sort of connection with them. Or maybe if there's a need Maybe you're like, you know what, I've got, I'm, I'm just, just, it's just me. It's, I'm single. I just need somewhere to connect. Or, or, hey, we're an older couple. We don't have any kids anymore. I just want somewhere where we can just go and we can dive in. Or maybe for some of you, you say, how can I do something where it's not going to break the bank and have, a, have, a, uh, have a, a, a babysitter every week? How can we as a family get together? We have all those things. We have groups that are all doing all of these things. Let me know. Just drop it off. Um, you can either hand it to me. I don't mind getting a pile of cards in my hands. It'll be encouraging for me. But if you want to stop by the, the welcome booth, um, the welcome desk at the end, and just, just drop that off and, and just say, and, just, and I'll, I'll get in contact with you. And if there's so many of them, I'm going to ask some of the other pastors to help me just to say, hey, let's try to work together as trying to do this. Try to get as many of you into community starting right away this fall to start right. As we as a church grow bigger, and if we look in the door, on the other side of those doors, the mission is that one life at a time, 
we know that if we're successful in doing what God wants for us, one life at a time will come in these doors and we will end up growing. And if we start building in community, we're going to see everybody stay here and get connected in community. It's not going to be like, I come in, I don't really know anybody, I'm going to go somewhere else. There's going to be something deeper here. There's going to be something deeper here at Southridge that we decide to do and we will grow. And as we grow, we must grow smaller. It's the only way you can do life. You can't do life knowing everybody. It's not possible. I've tried to learn names. <laughs> some of you are impressed by my names and some of you are, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he doesn't really remember my name. The thing is I try because I really care. I really want to, to know everybody. Every life matters. Every soul matters to God. I think we should show Langley that community is possible. The Christian community is possible. Forget Murrayville, Langley. We're Langley Church. Let's, let's show Langley that we can see Christian community here where we can grow in Christ. And it's found here at Southridge. We're going to take um, time now to have some silent prayer. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as we do that, I just want us to bow our heads, to close our eyes, and to, to, to think through some of the things we've heard today. Maybe something that's on your heart that has nothing to do with this. Maybe there's something in your heart that you know you, there's sin that you need to confess and that you need to bring it to God. We're going to allow for this time a silent prayer and, and I encourage you to take the, mo the opportunity to do this. It's not just a personal thing. Each one of us is going to do this together. We're all doing this. We're all uniting around this together. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and just pray, pray, pray silently together and come before God.